0: Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read, me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book, that's fine. Or you could sit back, relax, and unwind. And read me romance. Read, read me romance.
1: Welcome to Read Me Romance. It's just me today, the Riley half of Alexa Riley. We are in the midst of Kitty Wilde's book, one of my favorites. It is called The Midnight Bride as many of you know I'm sure you guys are dying for more I cannot wait for you guys to get this next part because I did not realize something could be so disgusting and so hot at the same time that I like I like sat up I was laying down in bed reading it and this whole scene played out and I like sat up I was like Oh my God, that is wonderfully awesome, gross, and romantic all at once. I don't know how she pulls this off, but she does. So I'm going to go ahead and send you guys into it so I can talk about it when you come out. So I'll see you guys on the flip side in just a minute. Bye.
0: Chapter two, Mara the Defeated. I cannot give up now. I cannot give up now. I cannot give up now. The five words were a chant in Mara's head, echoed by the silent movement of her lips. If she had been a sorcerer, those words might have had more power. But she was only a woman with no power except for her courage and her will. Courage and will had gotten her this far, however, so they would also get her out of this cage. She only needed to imagine a way to escape. In the past six months, Mara had overcome every obstacle in her path. She could now, too, though her current imprisonment was not part of the tournament. At the crossroads, when she'd heard her mother calling for help, then her younger brothers and sisters screaming, Mara had believed it was yet another danger for the contestants to battle. But it had only been a trap set by a sorcerer tyrant who filled his treasury by trading in human flesh. The collar circling her neck was cold to the touch, yet still seemed to burn her skin. Had it been a shackle around her wrist, she would have used Strack's dagger to cut off her hand. But cutting off her own head wasn't so easy. More likely, she would need to cut off someone else's head. Because the more she considered her options, it seemed only one remained. The caller would force her to submit to an auction and to endure whatever horrors befell her afterward. So her only choice was to bide her time, waiting for an opportunity to kill the man who bought her and then escape. But time was the one thing Mara did not have. If another contestant returned to Aramond with the gauntlet and won the tournament, everyone Mara had ever known and loved would die. So she could not give up now, no matter how tired and lonely she was, no matter how her heart ached with despair and fear. It ached more fiercely since Drax had left her. She had no hope he would return. In truth, she wasn't certain he'd really ever come. When Mara first heard his voice speaking to the captain of the guard, she'd believed she was dreaming, or in a nightmare, For six months, Strax had been the bane of her existence. The barbarian rarely opened his mouth, yet whenever he did, it was only to insult her. To say that she was not clever enough or strong enough to win the tournament, that she was not fast enough. And he was not wrong. Every other warrior competing in this tournament was far ahead, all but one. Almost from the beginning, Strax had trailed her, sometimes within sight, sometimes a day or two behind, but always following. And despite his insults, Mara had comforted herself with the knowledge that she wasn't in last place. But that was no longer true. When she'd been captured, the misery of being caged and collared had been enough to bear. That the barbarian wasn't here to witness her humiliation and defeat had been her only consolation. Then, he'd come. Yet to her astonishment, he hadn't humiliated her or insulted her further. And if she hadn't been clutching his dagger in her hand, she'd have believed his appearance had been yet another sorcerer's illusion. A spell designed to show her the strax that she'd always wished he would be. A warrior who helped her. A warrior who so gently touched her face. A warrior who looked at her with concern and warmth instead of doubt and disdain. If his presence had been a spell, it would have been a cruel illusion indeed, to have Strax suddenly be everything she wished he was, and then watch him leave. But she could not blame Strax for going. Only powerful magic could defeat this caller. And why would he risk everything, the tournament or his life, trying to save a woman he always mocked and insulted? Of course, he would not. So Strax had abandoned Mara here with a confusing mix of gratitude and despair roiling within her heart, and a dagger that she might soon need to use. All of the other prisoners had fled the auction house. For almost an hour, Mara's only company had been the bloodied corpses outside her cell. Yet she could hear someone approaching now, and her cage door was unlocked, offering her no protection. Her grip tightened on the dagger, heart pounding. She debated whether to hide, curling herself out of sight in the corner of her cage. But Mara had never been one to run and hide. So she stood in the middle of her cell, eyes narrowed down the length of the dim passageway. For a moment, she didn't recognize the enormous figure who came out of the shadows. And when she did recognize him, it took another moment to believe he was there. Tracks. Yet, as she'd never seen him before, nearly every inch of his skin painted crimson with blood. He'd always been a huge barbaric figure, his black hair carelessly tied back in a strip of leather. Now the strands hung around his face, dripping with gore. And she'd seen him many times without a tunic. He hadn't even begun wearing one until the weather had grown so cold that ice covered the puddles in the road each morning. Yet he'd never appeared so terrifyingly strong until this moment. His sinewy muscles like sculpted granite, and his stride, the smooth prowl of a panther's, gripping his sword in one hand and a man's head in the other. With dropped jaw, she watched him toss the head into her piss bucket. But not before she saw the death slackened face. The head belonged to the ruler of Wintermere, Thadis the sorcerer, whose collar circled her neck and who'd forced her legs open to confirm whether she was a virgin. She'd wished Thaddeus dead then. But he'd been surrounded by guards and resided in the fortress at the center of the city. And with a few words, his magic could have killed her. Now his head was in her bucket, and Mara was only sorry that she hadn't shit in it yet. Yet that head meant Strax must have fought his way into the fortress, He must have defeated Thaddis' guards before defeating the sorcerer himself, and he must have done it alone. She could hardly comprehend the skill and power the barbarian must have. Never had he shown it before. Such a warrior shouldn't have been in last place in any tournament. He should have been leading the pack. Yet he'd trailed behind them all. Why? She tipped her head back, keeping her gaze on Strax's face as he came nearer. Never had he seemed so big, yet he was also never so close. His bloodied fingers tipped her chin higher. A frown darkened his features when he still could not break the collar's thin wire. The sorcerer would not remove the spell or give me claim over you, he said in a deep guttural scowl. How such a barren wasteland grew such powerful warriors, Mara knew not. Yet both he and his twin brother were larger and stronger than any other warriors who had joined the tournament. So you killed him? Because a spell often died with a sorcerer. But this spell had not. This magic resides in the collar, so I must claim you before I can break it. Do you have enough gold to buy me at the auction, warrior? Mara might have had enough but her purse had been taken by the villains who'd ambushed her along with her horse. She had nothing now but her tunic and dagger, both of which Strax had given her. There is not enough gold in the world to buy a woman of your worth. His jaw hardened and his fingers slipped from her neck, yet she could still feel the sticky warmth of the bloodied marks he left. I will return again. She stared after him. This must be an illusion of some sort, or a trick. A woman of her worth? Mara could not count the number of times he'd implied she was worthless. So this time, she believed he would return, yet she was also wary. Because she didn't understand him at all, or this attempt to free her, what purpose could it have not to help her? Because in six months, he hadn't helped her. He'd only said over and over again that she was bound to fail, so she couldn't trust that he truly meant to help her now. At midnight, Strax returned, no longer covered in blood, and no longer alone. With him was a thin, bald man in dark robes and wide, terrified eyes. Strax shoved the trembling man into the cage. This magistrate can marry us. Had the barbarian gone completely mad? Strax's eyes seemed to burn with an unholy feverish fire as they settled on Mara. And that look sent shivers racing over her skin. Certain she'd misunderstood, Mara shook her head. You want him to marry us? A husband has a claim on his wife. No magic can deny that. Mara couldn't refute that truth, yet still, why would he do this? It made no sense at all. Her chest tight, she told him. You understand, warrior, that I am from Aramond. I am not from a kingdom such as Savadon or Goloth, where they marry on a whim and untie their wedding ribbon when marriage no longer suits them. You'll always be bound to me. That fire in his eyes flared brighter. And I am from the Deadlands. Nothing will let a warrior separate him from his wife, so you will always be bound to me. Heart pounding so hard, she was almost dizzy with it. She looked to the magistrate. You have the red ribbon? The man held up the length of crimson silk in his shaking fingers. So they had all that was needed, except an explanation. With emotion clogging her throat, Mara met Strax's gaze again. I will do anything to be free, so I will marry you, she told him, but held up her hand when he stepped forward with a fierce light on his expression. But I need to know why you are marrying me. Because I love you, he said gruffly, and Mara wished that she hadn't asked. She would rather be given no answer than to be given a lie. Yet she had not lied, she'd do anything to continue her quest to win the gauntlet. Even marry a man she could not trust to tell the truth, who thought she was weak and stupid and who insulted her at every turn. With a sickly pain in her heart, Mara stepped closer to Strax and nodded to the magistrate. She raised her hand, and as Strax placed his huge palm against hers, she could hardly bear to look at him. And she wondered what else he'd lied about, As the magistrate weaved the ribbon between their fingers, she asked, Do you swear you'll free me from this collar the moment we are married? Because as soon as he had a claim on her, Strax's power over her would be absolute. He could order her to do anything, and Mara would have to obey. Perhaps his declaration of love was simply a ruse so that he could control her, or humiliate her, or worse. I will, he vowed, and the pain in Mara's heart grew. Because she still couldn't trust his word, though she wanted nothing more than to trust it. She wanted to believe in the devotion deepening his voice and the steady darkness of his eyes. So as the magistrate finished winding the ribbon between their fingers, With her other hand, Mara raised her dagger to Strack's muscled throat and pressed the sharpened point into the only soft spot he seemed to have, where a pulse drummed visibly in the thick column of his neck. After our vows are spoken, if any command issues from your lips except the words to free me, they will be the last you ever utter. You think I will order you onto your back and your thighs to spread? Command you to come with every thrust of my cock? Eyes narrowed, Strax slowly shook his head, not seeming to care that the movement drew drops of blood from where she held the blade against his skin. I need no magic to make my woman come, Mara. The pleasure I'll give you will be no illusion. Heat flared beneath her skin at the thought of it, Yet she still couldn't trust that he meant a word. I want nothing from you except my freedom, she declared hotly. And because Strax had made her a liar now, too, she snapped at the magistrate. Begin. The magistrate stammered. But we, we have no witnesses. Strax's foot lashed out. The bucket flew, and Thaddeus's head bounced against the iron bars before rolling to a stop with empty eyes staring at them and dripping yellow tears. Your king himself bears witness. Begin. Fear blanched the magistrate's face. With shaking hands, he lifted the two ends of the ribbon. Ah, uh, The bride, you are called? Lady Maraceret Ictarin of Aramond. After repeating her name, the magistrate asked, Do you pledge yourself to this man and swear to be his faithful wife? I will, she promised, holding her dagger ready to slit Strax's throat. And you? Strax, he said in a thick voice. Keeper of the Sacred Oath, son of the Fang Clan of the Deadlands. I pledge myself to this woman and vow to be her faithful husband. Then you're now bound together, the magistrate said, nodding the ends of the ribbon. Upon a kiss that seals your vows, you will be wife and husband. Mara didn't move, her right hand tied to his and her left hand holding the blade at his throat. Slowly, she relaxed her wrist, allowing Strax to bend his head toward hers yet never letting even a hair of space between her dagger and his skin. Her breath trembled wildly as he gently tilted up her chin. His gaze smoldered, dark and hot, and seemed to ignite an answering fire within her. She shut her eyes, but couldn't shut out the pulse thundering in her ears. The gentle pressure of his strong fingers, the warmth of his breath whispering over her lips. Then his firm mouth claimed hers, and that was enough, it should have been enough. Even a touch of lips was a kiss, so they were married now. But instead of backing away, Strax pushed closer. His big hand cradled the back of her neck as he tasted and teased. And when her lips parted, it was only to remind him that he would die if he betrayed her. Yet she couldn't speak, because his tongue slicked over hers, And an emotion wild and sweet swept into her with that lick. A hunger for more of this. Not just a kiss, but the way Strax made her feel. The way he touched her now, as if he truly did love her. But how could she believe that? How? With burning eyes and racing heart, she turned her face from his. But she couldn't pull away. His hand still clasped her nape and the wedding ribbon had to remain tied until dawn. Free me now, she whispered, or I will kill you. His reply was a harsh rasp against her ear. You are already free, wife. In astonishment, Mara brought her beribboned fingers to her neck, bringing his bound hand with hers. The collar was gone. She hadn't even felt him remove it during the kiss, Now the horrid thing lay at her feet, nothing but a useless, twisted wire. Her wondering gaze flew to Strax's face and only encountered his strong profile as he looked to the magistrate. You'll find your payment of a gold coin in that dead captain's purse, he said. Then Mara gave a startled gasp when the barbarian abruptly spun her around and swept her up to cradle her against his broad chest. Let us attempt this again. Leaving the cage, Mara held her breath as he carried her through. But of course, the collar could not strangle her because he'd freed her. Now her new husband held her while he strode out of the auction house, one steely arm supporting her knees and the other behind her back. Because of their bound hands, there was no point in demanding that he put her down. One of them would have to walk backward yet he could carry her as long as she held her arm crossed over her chest. Mara didn't glance at any of the carnage they passed, the bodies of the guards littering the floor. She only looked at Strax. Such a strange warm hope filled her chest that she couldn't have spoken even if she wished to. He'd come to Wintermere to help her. He'd killed a sorcerer king to save her, and then he'd freed her. Perhaps he might help her win this tournament, too. And perhaps she could truly trust him. Never had she wanted anything so much. Outside, the entire city seemed in uproar. From every direction came the sound of citizens in riot. Because Strax had killed a tyrant, and he'd freed more than Mara in doing so. Yet he seemed utterly unaffected by the fighting around them. He carried her as if through a spring meadow, and another astonishment awaited Mara when they reached his horse, because tied next to his mount was her mare. Where did you find her? She asked in wonder as he lifted her onto his gelding, which she didn't protest, because they couldn't ride different horses with their hands tied. When I tracked down the men who ambushed you. Easily he leapt up behind her. The fingers of their beribboned hand entwined, his arm around her waist. He pulled her back snug against his hard chest, holding her securely. But aside from your saddle and horse, your belongings were already sold. Do you wish to look for them now? For her furs and clothes and gold? No, Mara said. They would waste valuable time searching, and she hardly needed those things now. Her legs were bare from mid-thigh to toes. Yet never had she felt so safe, so warm as with Strax holding her. And it was becoming harder to tell herself that his actions tonight had been a trick of some sort. Yet nothing about him made sense, not after what he'd done here. As they rode toward the city gate, one clear answer occurred to her. You never intended to win the tournament, did you? No, he replied gruffly. Are you- a final obstacle? Something the contestants must overcome after they've retrieved the gauntlet? Which would explain why he was in last place. Anyone returning to Aramond would have to pass him, and would have to defeat him. Would he allow her to pass him? He was her husband now, and he'd risked so much to save her. Perhaps he'd help her save everyone else she loved, too. I am not an obstacle, his voice deepened. I am bound by a blood oath to never let a sorcerer such as Solegius of Aramond possess the gauntlet, and I will destroy anyone who attempts to give it to him. The hope growing in Mara's chest withered into a painful, poisoned lump. A blood oath. If Strax betrayed it, not only would he die, but so would all of his clan. So she didn't respond. As they rode out of the city, she stared blindly ahead. And all that lived inside her now was misery and despair. Her husband held her in his arms. His warm breath stirred her hair, yet she felt utterly alone again. Strax must have been more wary in the city than he'd appeared, because once they were away from the chaos, tension eased from the warrior's muscles. Quietly, he asked her, Did you join the tournament to win the prize? If it is gold you seek, my wife, I will find riches for you elsewhere. I have riches, she told him, and her voice was thick with unshed tears. So Legius has imprisoned my family and enslaved everyone under our protection. If I do not return with the gauntlet, he'll kill them all. Strax stiffened behind her. For an endless time, The barbarian didn't speak, and when he finally did, it sounded as if he choked on every word. I cannot let you give the gauntlet to him. His declaration pierced Mara's heart like a dagger. We must be enemies then. No, Strax denied roughly, his arm tightening and holding her closer. You are my wife. And if you try to stop me from winning... I'll soon be a widow. You cannot win. So you return to insults again. I will win. No longer unshed, hot tears spilled silently down her cheeks. Perhaps you don't believe I am capable, warrior, but I've proven you wrong over and over again. I will prove you wrong this time, too. And if you stand in my way, I will kill you. I know you are capable, he snarled. But I cannot let, I cannot. His voice seemed to strangle itself, and his hand rose to her face. She tried to turn away, to conceal this from him. Yet he found the evidence of her pain. Shed more tears, Mara, he said bleakly. And you kill me easily. So he claimed. Yet Strax seemed strong enough as her tears continued to fall, holding her so tight that she could almost believe he was a warrior who would help her, protect her, love her. It was only another illusion, a dream that would disappear at dawn. But for a little while, Mara allowed herself to dream that he was everything she'd ever wanted him to be, and she dreamt it until she fell asleep in his arms. Welcome
1: back. I know you are probably want more and more, but. Can I just say that I did not know that a piss bucket could be so entertaining as that was that he just, he was like, okay, I'm off. I'm going to go murder this fucker and I'm going to come back and you're going to be mine. And he comes back dripping in blood, head in hand, and he's like, okay, now we get married. And it was just... And then the whole witness thing when they needed a witness for the marriage and he kicked over that bucket, I almost fell over dead laughing. It was wonderful. So as you can see, Katie Wilde just has a way with words, and I cannot recommend enough her stuff. You can get the brother's story right now. It is pretty bride and he too is getting married. So you will get all of that. Yummy goodness! It is on Kindle Unlimited. It's ninety nine cents. It's actually part of a whole rags to riches. There's five authors that do it together, and they all aren't in the same world. Well, those two are in the same world. The podcast book with um, Pretty Bride are, of course, the brothers. But the other books, they all have like the same color cover or the same cover, just different colors. And out already has been Pretty Virgin, which matched up with our podcast book. And then Ella Goody had a pretty prize which was an asshole hero who falls head over heels in love. It's always great to see an asshole fall to his knees. And then this week is The Pretty Bride You Get. And then up next, and the next week to follow, will be Ruby Dixon's Pretty Human. And then last but not least, our dirty girl, Jessica Kane, uh, Pretty Darling, will be here. So it's a whole series. We'll link those up. So go ahead and grab Pretty Bride and get the brother story. I haven't even got to read it yet. I think she's still writing it and I'm dying. I'm gonna be blowing up her email all week until she sends it to me. And I think that's it for today. Oh, oh I wanted to mention there is another release out today from a Read Me Romance author. Parental Guidance, which actually this sounds really cute. I don't know if you've read Avery Flynn before, but she does incredible rom-com she always makes me laugh and she can take like the awkward girl or the girl who's a little bit different and he, the heroes just fall in love with them and it's always adorable and sweet and full of laughter so if you're looking for something a little more heart lighthearted. I would definitely go for that. I will be reading it with you. So if somebody clicks it up today, we'll be reading buddies. All right. I will see you guys tomorrow and I will be by myself all week because is off doing mom things. Until then, bye guys. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read.
0: In a book that's fine, or you could sit back, relax, and unwind and read me romance. Read, read me romance.